Blog Talk Radio. Okay, I'm, <clears throat> I'm trying to connect with uh, area code 760 ending in 50. Are you there? Yes. Did you have Hello? a story to tell or a question? Yes. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Well, I, I guess I could do both because um, um, I am new to the experience. Um, shall I start by telling my experience? Certainly, and we don't use names, so go ahead. Recently became emergency guardian for my uh, two grandchildren, one and two, and um, uh, we and and I work full time, so I knew I would have to get daycare for them, um, but that would take a certain amount of time to get started. So I um, flew my sister. Uh, from across the country out here, uh, she was retired, and she would, you know, look after the babies until we got the daycare started. And we did find a really nice lady to get started. She was going to start next month, and you know, she was really beautiful with the children. They bonded with her right away, so we knew that you know they would be in good hands, and uh, which they always have been. You know, their their parents loved them as well. So. Um, uh, let's see, the the mother of the children, she, she had a, a third baby just a week ago. And my son, um, who's a father who's been with them, you know, as much as he could all this time. Uh, I was at work one day. My sister was here, and he actually took them to the hospital, the one and the two-year-old, to see their new, you know, baby sister. And I didn't know about this. And um, the... Uh, the new baby uh, tested positive for drugs, just like with the the others, and uh, that kind of put them on the radar. And that's why CPS came into the picture and and actually took all the babies away at that hospital visit. So it was pretty traumatic for everybody. We didn't know he had gone. My sister knew, but she thought it was okay um, because it was a hospital. It wasn't like you know someone said he, he kidnapped them and drove them across the country. Um, and so now they are in foster care, and we're, we're trying to get them back. Uh, we had a visit the other day, and the two-year-old is already going through that traumatic period where he's confused. He doesn't know what's going on. He's like, why can't I be with my family? Why am I with this foster family? He's two years old, you know. Um, it, it, it was It's really hurtful to see that, especially at this time. Um, the one-year-old, of course, doesn't know what's going on, but um, it looks like this situation is hardest on that two-year-old. You know, we all know what we did, but this poor baby doesn't know. He's, what have I done? What You know, he hasn't done anything, and he has to suffer. You know, it, it's okay for, for us grown folks, you know, um, but it's so unfair to, to this baby. And um, that's the point I'm at. I'm looking into legal services to uh, see what we can do to speed up the process because CPS doesn't get back to us right away on our questions yet. You know, we have to get back to them right away with our information. You know, they they don't, you know, communicate and it's it's just, you know, and we're good people. We're not trying to, we're just taking care of these babies. We're not trying to scam the system or anything. Um, they started sending me checks. I didn't even know where they came from. 
but I've been supporting these babies all their lives out of my own pocket. You know, I don't I don't need any of their their checks. They can go ahead and cut those off. <laughs> but um, you know, basically that's that's where I'm at right now. I'm just looking for answers to speed this up. It's it's going to be a terrible Christmas without them. You know, it's just going to be another day to us. It, the house is eerily quiet. You know, no babies laughing and running around and playing and hugging you. It's um. <clears throat> what uh, what county are you in? Uh, Riverside. And have you been to the juvenile court in Riverside yet? Um, I'm scheduled to go. Um, I'm waiting. We, you know, we tried to call them, um, but they they are either out on an assignment or um, now we've got this long holiday. We can't talk to anybody until Wednesday. So I don't know my okay. date yet. Riverside Courthouse, they tell you to show up at. There's one on County Farm Road. There's one in Marietta. And there's one in Indio. Okay, Indio. Okay, so you're out by Palm Springs. Right. Okay. So if you get a pencil and paper, I'll tell you what you need to do. Oh, yay. Let me move my tablet. Well, don't start cheering yet because if, if I tell you what to do, you still have to do it and do it the right way, and then you still have to have a hearing and convince the judge, you know, a little mini-trial type of thing. Oh, yes, I understand that. I, my, my disappointment is that once you're in, I, you know, when they came to my house to set me up as an emergency guardian, uh, some more training would have helped. I mean, just send me a, a detailed text. Um, I, you know, I, I have no information to go on with this. It's frustrating. So, okay. Um, okay. I'll take the information. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. The first thing that you need to do is you need to file what's called a um, de facto status motion. Now, there are, in California, there are some what they call judicial counsel forms to fill out that you can uh, try to do this yourself, but I wouldn't suggest it because those forms don't include some important information that, in my opinion, is required in front of most judges, and that is what's called legal points and authorities, and it doesn't, they don't tell you how to fill out the declaration and the supporting documents with pictures, et cetera. It's that the actual evidence that you need to submit. And the form tells you you need to submit evidence, but that's a very tricky question on what is admissible evidence in California. Okay, Several weeks right. ago, I was um, in a courtroom and someone had filed a 388 petition and they had just filed the form and the judge ruled that the person who was a layperson didn't have sufficient evidence to get a hearing for a 388 petition. And the first thing the person turns to, you know, other people in the courtroom with her and and says, what does sufficient evidence mean? Right? She's a layperson. She doesn't know. You know, that's a, evidence was a whole year law class when I went to law school and it's, you know, it's a tricky subject. 
California Evidence Code, and, and um, you know, most people, including attorneys, aren't experts at it. So that's the first thing you have to do. So I can tell you what you can do, but I doubt that you can do it yourself. It's just like if a doctor told you, hey, you need to get open-heart surgery. You're not going to say, hey, doc, how do I do that? But a lot of people feel that they can just do the legal stuff on their own. That's It's their inalienable right. And unfortunately, although it is their right, most people aren't skilled in how to do that. The second thing that you want to file is you want to file a 388 petition. And that is asking the judge to place the children with you or with another relative. So you're not going to be limited to just you. And right. the more, in my opinion, the more relatives and family friends that move forward with this, the more likely that you will get the child, right. because you you're a known you're a known factor. The next thing that you should consider doing is filing a petition to disclose all of the records to you. You know, it's very difficult to go into a court case and ask for some affirmative relief and you can't even see all the evidence that's being used for or against you that's been filed by the social worker. Remember, the social, the social worker's reports are considered by the judge in almost every case. And if you don't have the right clearance or permission, you can't see that evidence. I once did a case in um, San Diego County, a trial, and the judge denied my petition to get records. And I was doing a trial I was doing a trial where evidence that was being used against my client, I couldn't see, I couldn't read. I didn't know what they were even talking about. So imagine that very unfair circumstance. The next thing that you should do is you should file a JB 285. I think you can just Google it. And you and all the relatives and family friends, keep saying family friends because you don't have to be a relative, should be filing that form it's a very simple, I think it's three or four pages long. That is self-explanatory. Uh, file that with the court. The next thing that you should do, and a lot of people disagree with me on this part, is you should file petitions for temporary and permanent legal guardianship. And if anybody asks you why you're doing that, and you, you can tell them. Oh, I heard this crazy attorney named Vince Davis in Los Angeles County on his radio show saying in this particular situation, um, we should file petitions for guardianship. Um, a lot of people raise their eyebrows when I tell them that, but I think that it's important, especially if you don't get the children on appeal, that you have filed these types of petitions. So those, those are the main things that you should do. Okay. Also, um, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I just want to make sure I got the, the names right. The second one was to file the three deers and dogs. A is an apple form? That's no. the second form? Three, three ocho. Three eight eight petition. Three, eight, three eight, ocho. Eight. Ocho petition. Yeah. Okay. And you can Google it. Okay. You can Google all of this stuff. Um, so I've told you what needs to be done now. Whether you can implement it if you have that expertise, that's a whole other story. Um, you can look on my YouTube channel. I think I have a couple videos about this particular issue, um, relatives getting uh, children placed with them out of the system. That's one of my um, pet projects. I was raised by my grandmother. 
so I always have a soft heart for relatives who are trying to get the trying to get these children out of the system, out of foster care, into their homes so that they can be with families. Additionally, if you want to talk to me um, more about this, you can call me at triple eight triple eight six five eight two and make an appointment with me uh, over the phone, and I can talk to you about it. Um, my office will be open today from, I think, 9 to 5, but I'm sure they'll leave early during the Saturday before Christmas. Uh, we do have a 24-hour 24, 24 answering service, and they will be answering today, tomorrow, and the office is open on Monday. So please call make an appointment to talk to me because you're kind of, you know, in a tricky situation uh, with everything that has happened. And you want to make sure that you use your shot in the best way. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing, do. I, one, thing I did, one thing I didn't ask you is, has there been a court date regarding these children so far, or is this the first one coming up? Well, the parents have been back and forth with court dates. And, um, you know, I was the emergency guardian, and things were fine uh, just until this one incident with an unsupervised visit. That's what it breaks down to, an unsupervised visit that I unwittingly allowed. Okay. So, so here's, the, here's, here's something that i got to tell you. Based upon what you just told me, you're going to have to move very fast to get into court and get these things filed. Okay. Um, Tell you a quick story that actually they did appoint what? They did appoint me um, uh, an attorney this past week. Oh, that's great. Yeah, she filed the um, uh, objection to removal form. Oh, if she filed an object, if she filed an objection for removal, you're way into the case and. Mm She, just for the listeners, that is a form that's filed under 366.26 subdivision N as in Nancy. And uh, if she filed it on time, you're going to be entitled to have a hearing to prove that the child should not be removed from you and to be replaced to you. But here's the strategy you have to use. You have to get other relatives and family friends to come forward and ask for the child as well. The reason is because the more people that ask for the child, the more chances you will have to get the child placed with one of you. And in my opinion, that will help you because you're a known quantity. Okay. And maybe this visitation was just an anomaly, an accident. You were unwitting about it. And so the social worker may be willing to work with you. I'm going to tell you a quick story that actually is out of Riverside, out of the Indio court. It happened about, seems like three or four years ago. Um, a, a couple called me, uh, and they were from the Midwest. She was a very successful businesswoman. He was the local high school principal and deacon at the local church. Mm-hmm. 
There, the woman's sister had come to Palm Springs following a boyfriend where they got involved in drugs and the child was taken away. This couple flew out to attend every hearing, including the first hearing, and told the judge, told the judge, we're willing to take the child. Well, either through negligence or intentional acts, I don't know which one, the social worker never placed the child with this couple, even though they had gone through the process successfully of something called an ICPC. I filed all of the documents that I just told you to file, and the judge ruled that since the child had been with the caretaker, the foster parents, from the beginning, that he wasn't going to move the child, and he was going to let the foster parents um, adopt the child. And the relatives were, you know, out on the street. Um, They had a very good appeal in this case for many reasons, and uh, they decided not to appeal the case because they were so heartbroken that the judicial system in California, you know, made these rulings which they thought were so unfair. You know, they're from the Midwest. You know what some people think about California, and this was just validating their feelings. But it was out of that, yeah, it was out of that courthouse in Indio. Now, the judge that made that decision I don't think is longer there. I think there have been one or two judges uh, placed in that, or maybe even three that have come to sit in Indio. But that type of thing happens. That type of thing happens all the time. Well, um, my son and his girlfriend went to court last week, and the judge heard the situation and said, "Is that all? It was a unauthorized. It was an unsupervised visit. You know, you didn't kidnap the child and take them across the country." The judge seemed very sympathetic, and they said, "Have your mother get um, another emergency guardian, like you're saying, and and I do have a good friend. We're, we're making her the godmother of the children. She's going to take all three. And she said, whatever I can do to help the family. And uh, we, we we had that information for them and gave it to them. And we're waiting to hear back. So Well, that's great. I, I love to hear that when judges are sympathetic towards the family. Because they seemed a little, yeah, maybe they're trying to change that trend because the case you're describing is just, I mean, I could understand their pain on that. That is just, you know, I did, I think they're leaning now towards put them with family, you know, at right. least. You know, I'll tell you, tell you another story. I represented a woman uh, who had a case in Riverside County, but out of the Marietta court, I believe it was. Anyway, um, she, we got her back her, child, her children, and then we ended up suing the social workers out there for violation of her and the child's civil rights. And just yesterday, we got the check um, from the ca- county of Riverside, which is, kind of, which is in a story in and of itself. Um, they didn't want to give us the check after everything was all over. We had to kind of um, explain to them we'd go back to the court and tell a federal judge, you know, what was going on. Because it was my opinion they were playing games. You know, I I rank 
in my own mind, the egregiousness of different counties and Riverside is, you know, it's, it's way up there. It's one of the most egregious counties in California. But anyway, I'm glad that the judge appointed you an attorney, and hopefully you can talk to the attorney about all of the things I mentioned to you and try to do those things um, quickly. Right, and a question I would ask is, because, you know, court-appointed attorneys can only do so much, correct? Um, Would there be a point where we would want to go with your firm, get a private attorney? Well, you know, I don't know who your attorney is, okay, so I can't comment about what they'll do, what they won't do, that type of thing. But you can always get a private attorney. I I had someone in my office the other day who told me that a social worker told them that they could not get a private attorney. And I asked him, was that in writing via email or text or anything? Because that's illegal. That's actually not the law. Yeah. So yeah, if they you, don't put you much told, in writing, <laughs> yeah. when they talk now to you, know they don't put much. Yeah. And yeah. one was sending me text, so that was documenting. She did document supervised visit in a, a text message. So I, I said, oh, wow, yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of this because it's documented what I was supposed to do, and I can see where, you know, I, we went wrong. So I'm, I'm admitting, you know, I we made a mistake. But the right. two-year-old have to pay for this mistake because this is traumatic for that baby. We, it's a right. heartbreak. Yeah. Well, if you need our assistance... If you need our assistance, yeah. our telephone number is triple eight triple eight six five eight two. Just call and make an appointment to speak to me. Okay, well I have talked to one of your attorneys. He's it was the one that told me to call into the radio show. And, okay, uh, great. So I'm, I'll be talking to him Monday. Okay, very good. Yeah. Thank you for your call and thank you for All calling right. in thank and keep listening. Okay, thank you for your help. Interesting case out of Riverside County. Okay, I'm going to take the next call, area code 323, ending in 06. Um, yeah, <clears throat> that's me. And I'm calling to... Morning. Um, good morning. Uh, how are you? Doing fine. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? A story to tell. Um, Go for it. And I'll, just, I'll, I'll preface it with I have a master's in social work that I just got. And... I find myself in a position at this point, rather quickly, um, one, having no idea how that system works and and therefore finding myself without rights to my child. Um, And when I finally figured out that to call you, it was already too late to really do anything about what was happening. You know, my daughter's 18 months. And I can't, I still can't believe that as a, a person with a master's in social work that I, I have no idea how the DCFS system, like how it works. It operates. It's very different from um, anything I've ever seen. Um, and I just, I don't even know where to begin because I'm so shocked that the first resort was to take my daughter away from me um, and then from her father as well. And, and, and then going to court and, and hearing and seeing all these things written about somebody that you know they're not true and you have proof they're not true, but nobody listens to you. And if you don't hire the right, like, 
if you don't have the right education and you don't hire the right people and you don't know what you're doing, you really can foul yourself up like I have. Um, and it's just the saddest thing that, that I really have, have ever been through because I, I lost my mom earlier this year. That's kind of how this all got underway. Um, and I, it's just so shocking how how just a suspicion or a uh, something documented on paper that isn't actually accurate or even, um, you know, for example, in my case, I have a part of um, my case where they say that I'm a methamphetamine abuser, that I have a lengthy criminal history, and that I have uh, severely emotionally, I'm severely emotionally deranged and mentally ill and therefore incapable of ever having my child without supervision. It literally says that in the court documents. Now, none of that is true. Um, I, I don't have a lengthy criminal history. Uh, I, I take Adderall for a, um, a diagnosis of ADD, and I take it as prescribed. And yet, and yet I've been deemed these things, and now I am those things. And now I can't even get a job, even though I have a master's degree, um, and I miss my daughter so much that it hurts. Um, it hurts to leave her when she's, like, trying to pry her fingers to the door and pull it open. And she wants to go with me or with her father, and, and you don't know really what to say to them. And it's just, I, I feel like there's something needs to be done about a system that I know. I know what the Code of Ethics is for social workers. And I had to double-check myself to make sure that they have to follow the same one, and the, the the lengths that they go to to prove their case is unbelievable. And and the lack of regard for anybody and their well-being, especially kids. Like my 18-month-old has had uh, diarrhea for two months now since she's been in foster care. Um, That's she's good. never had that problem. Um, has she been taken to the doctor? Yeah, and and that's the other thing. So for for such severe neglect and abuse, which they said I I was, um, you know, the person doing that, uh, they didn't do it for five months. They we just had the HUD appointment last week. She wasn't examined by anyone for five months. Um, it's really unbelievable to me because because it really seems as though, um, based on some of the things that have happened in the case. If you have no idea what's going on, meaning jurisdiction, disposition, adjudication, these terms, they don't mean anything to most people because that's not what they think of when they think of court or trials. Um, because I actually, I know that system. Uh, I know about arraignment, pretrial, all of that. I'd never heard of adjudication, disposition, or any of those things. So by the time I'm getting um, basically, I guess, convicted, I didn't even know I had had this whole trial. Um, and this all really, it's, it's uh, the reason I feel like I need to say something about my story is because if I'm a person with a master's in social work and I've, I've done everything with my daughter to make sure that she doesn't have trauma, um, I know these are her foundation years, I want the best for her. But if... If someone who's educated on all of these things and actually worked for the sheriff's department um, volunteering their time to give uh, back to the community, if if this is happening while also in a, in a rather, not affluent, but um, 
upper middle class area. I can't even imagine. I have a whole new level of empathy for people I've worked with in the past because I can't even imagine when you're being uh, told basically that I, I was told this. I wanted my daughter too much, and that was why they were um, not giving me my daughter. And I couldn't even believe it. I, I didn't know what to say to that. But I can't imagine what else they say or do and the abuse of power that happens to all sorts of people because you're using their most prized um, treasure. It, you know, your your child is your heart, it's your soul, and you really find out what your purpose is in life. And then to have it just taken away from you because someone was in that kind of mood. And the father's rights were detained because he told the investigator, um, who's a social worker, it turns out, not not like a, you know, a, a law enforcement. But the way they, they are so aggressive that she actually broke my HIPAA rights, um, that she put in court reports uh, mental illnesses that I don't have, and she put that I'm a methamphetamine abuser, even though she didn't know that the Adderall was prescribed for amphetamines, uh, not, uh, for my diagnosis of ADD. The amphetamines, Adderall, which is an amphetamine, is for ADD, and it's very effective in managing it. But she didn't put that. She put that I was a chronic uh, user of these substances. She used my live scan of, um, I did a clinical internship at a lockdown mental health uh, hospital, and um, also volunteered at a federal prison teaching anger management and substance abuse classes. And she put me down as a federal inmate and a 5150 patient at that hospital. Um, it, it's unreal to me how real facts, if you don't have the right kind of attorney and you don't have the education and you don't know what you're doing, how bad it can go and how much money it will cost and how your name will never, ever be the same, um, even if none of it's true. And I, I really feel like I, I can't practice social work right now um, officially, but I feel like, like I have to do something to make something different because this is unbelievable. Social workers are supposed to help. And... I never knew why people hated social workers until I've met them, and I can now relate that I that I really strongly dislike DCFS, um, uh, and I I don't really know what to do at this point because I just want to get my daughter home, and at the same time I don't feel like they should get away with the things that they do. Um, I mean, what what do you suggest when you don't know what to do and you just know that your daughter's suffering? And, you, you know, she's 18 months. She, she does not know why she cannot come home with me or her father. And um, it's just so painful. Right. Um, tell me something. Do you know when your last court, court date was and your next court date? Yes. Yeah, so uh, we went, I had my disposition on 11-29. Um, they were going to do a six-month reunification uh, hearing on May 28th, I'm sorry, May 23rd, but um, my lawyer and uh, her father's lawyer requested a three-month, um, uh, like something in the middle, um, because six months is so long for a little little baby. Um, 
And so we'll 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 next have our court date on February, I believe it's twenty I wanna say twenty third also. Um but if it's not twenty third, it's February twenty eighth. But yeah, so we will we'll go back. You know if that February court date is a progress report date or is it actually the statutory six month hearing? No, it's it's just a progress report and um you know, I mean, I already feel like I've already, without even meaning to, and I've had the best of intentions, I've been on top of everything, and I thought that I was doing everything right. And it turns out I, I can't get a hold of the social worker for about a week and a half, and he's promised to help me get funding for all the programs I was ordered to. But then when he finally does reach out, he tells me that I've missed tests. And I go, what? Uh, the first one was they're counting it uh, as a no-show because I was at court and I couldn't show up for a test that day. And it, it literally, the end of the email said that that, that uh, you know residential treatment would be the next component. Um, and I'm going, I don't even have this problem. I take a medication that they still have me test and they know it's going to show up in my system, but yet it's okay because they've put me in a treatment program and. I just I don't get it myself. Um, I also don't even get how how a judge can t- uh, and a, the DCFS counsel at the end of your disposition, they take away your child and then they also tell you, you know, you would have been better off not taking the stand because we thought very low of you in the beginning, but now now you're on a whole new level of um, of trash basically. And I'm like, wow, this is. I, I literally left the room crying, and I, I'm not a big crier. Um, and and one person who actually worked in the room chased after uh, my lawyer and, and said, I just wanted to say that was really hard to watch. I'm so sorry for her. Um, because I didn't get to say anything. Nobody, no witness. I didn't even know there was a trial going on until disposition. And then all of a sudden, I, when I read your book, and then I went, oh, my God, there's, there's so much I didn't know, and I can't. I, I just can't even imagine how many people have been wronged um, by this system. Like I didn't even know that DCFS in the 70s had a big scandal uh, with them taking children from poor people if they fit a uh, like a, they were good-looking children. They were wanted by um, to be adopted. They fit a certain category. And then they also were sold into, um, uh, it's, it's really disgusting, but uh, sold to, they were like the middlemen for for people who were selling them into sex um, trades. And and yet DCFS has still got uh, pretty high standing and funding and all of these things, and I don't understand it because they haven't changed much. You know, right. it really is still all about no, money for them, and it's not about the children. Right, and you know, not enough people care to vote and bring up um, concerns. I mean, every once in a while, you'll see something in the Los Angeles Times that there's no real solutions that are trying to be implemented. What needs to happen is uh, the laws need to be changed uh, by the legislators, and people need to vote in family-friendly judges. And yeah. for whatever reason. People in your situation don't organize the vote. The vote is the ultimate weapon to change laws, to change DCFS. 
Well, I can I can make I, a promise on this line right now that I'm going to be one of those people that does this is my new passion. That that this is not. I think instead of fostering kids, they should foster families. I've worked with inmates. Um, I've worked with people with mental health issues and substance abuse issues. And the problem is, is that most of them don't grow up with parents that they can say really parented them in the way that DCFS expects. Now, how do you do something that you have no idea how to do? Parenting classes aren't enough. They should foster families and show them how to do it. But instead, they just take the children away and traumatize them. You know, because that's, and where the financial, that's where the financial emphasis is. The emphasis is on taking yeah. children, not keeping families together. Well, thank you very much for your call. I appreciate you keep and keep listening, okay? I will, and then I'm also going to probably um, ask your input on how to how to make the vote, how to make this something that people that grabs their attention and they start changing their or looking more into it because this is an important issue. This really is. You know, um, I would love to talk to you about that. Um, mm-hmm. It's probably the most important issue in this area. It just takes a lot of time and a lot of work. But if you're willing to do that, I'd be very happy to work with you in banning uh, people together, countywide, statewide, nationwide, to change laws and to uh, elect the right judges. I'm I'm very, very much into this, and I am willing to devote that work. So um, I will reach out to well, you, or you please can do, please reach out to me, but I, I definitely want to do that. Okay, please call me today at my office and make an appointment to speak to me. I'm working Monday and be willing to talk to you, talk to you on Monday about it. Okay, I'll call you on Monday morning or afternoon. That's right. Call okay. now and make an appointment for Monday. Perfect. Call it Thank after. you so much. I look okay. forward to that. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, thank you. Bye. Okay, we're going to take another call. We're backing up in the queue, uh, area code 818, ending in 5-3. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vince Davis. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Uh, good morning, Vincent. We actually have um, a little bit of both. Um, I'm going to pass you to my significant other. He's a little more um, he's a little more knowledgeable, I guess you could say, with uh, some of the laws and things like that that we're kind of fighting uh, with DCFS about, um, and they're in, like, violation of their own codes and whatnot. Um, we just wanted to see if we could get a couple of questions answered and tell you a little bit about our story, and maybe you can give us some um, insight on which way to go with it, if possible. Certainly. Go ahead. Okay, sir. Hold on one moment. Hi. How are you? Hello. How are you? Pretty good. Um so my question that I have for you, let me just give you a little rundown of what happened. Um, so um, Tyler, our our kid, he, uh, he he fell out of the bed and um, uh, he got a bruise on his leg. And uh, DCFS came over to the house and they saw the the, the bruise and. Um, they detained him, um, even though we had pictures of, you know, the broken bed and, uh, you know, all the stuff needed, but they didn't have a search warrant. 
And then the investigator lied on multiple reports about, you know, what happened, how it happened. Um, they didn't bring a, a warrant to remove him or anything. Um, LAPD came over before DCFS, and uh, they didn't find a problem. But, of course, this lady found a problem. Um and I was wondering, what can I do now? Because they used WIC 300 to um, uh, remove him. And they said that um, my significant other had uh, failure to protect. Um, they basically accused me of spanking him on his leg, which is just absolutely ridiculous. I don't think anybody spanks anyone on the, on the leg anyway. So... My question is, since I'm not being charged for child abuse by the uh, district attorney and the LAPD juvenile investigator doesn't seem see that there's a problem, how can they keep the child detained? Okay, that's a very good question. Do you have a pencil and a piece of paper or a pen and a piece of paper? I don't, but I'll get one. Thank you, because what I'm about, what I'm about to tell you, you, you probably want to write down. You could also, and all of the listeners can listen to these shows. Uh, they're taped, recorded, and transcribed, and they are posted at www.talkradioexperts.com. Talkradioexperts.com. You ready? Number one, based upon what you told me, it is my opinion you have a big, fat civil rights lawsuit against the social worker in the county of Los Angeles. You cannot detain a child without a warrant. And if you don't have a warrant, you need exigent circumstances. But based upon what you told me, especially since LAPD came over beforehand, they don't have exigent circumstances, so they took your child illegally. Unfortunately, you can't do anything about that in the juvenile court. You have to go to a civil court, either state court or federal court. I do a lot of my cases in federal court, and you have to sue the county. So if you're interested in that, please give me a call later after 9 and make an appointment to see me or talk to me. You can call 888 6582 and make that appointment either in person or on the phone. Secondly, um, it sounds like a very, very weak case in juvenile dependency court, and you should be getting your child back and perhaps the case even being thrown out. You didn't tell me, but uh, let me ask you, when was your last court date and when is your next court date? Uh, next court date is January 30th. Our last court date was uh, November 20th. Um, I already had, I retained a lawyer um, to try and to try and help with this, but he doesn't seem to have done anything. I mean, he's just kind of going with the flow. Um, also, just to let you know, we have recordings, um, which. Uh, basically have the investigator perjuring herself on her report 
um, because when they came in the house, we have audio and video recording surveillance system, and it says in, our, in the front door that we have, like, video and audio recorded at all times. And uh, basically, she's lied on her report, and we have, you know, all the audio recordings of them lying and, and, and just basically playing games. Um, and, I mean, it's just kind of sick how this whole thing goes through. I, I, I never expected, you know, somebody to be so corrupt and and do things when there's absolutely nothing wrong. We're a happy household. I've been separated from my newborn um, now since October 7th. Uh, they say I'm a danger to her, um, even though there's still no charges against me. Um, and it it's just, you know, I, I, I'm, I've been kept away from the house. Now I have unmonitored visits for six hours, according to the judge. My attorney said I could go home. DCFS said, no, you can only go over there for six hours, even though the judge said minimum six hours uh, unmonitored visits. Before that, I had uh, three-hour monitored visits um, before not November 20th to October, uh, I think it was October 7th to November 20th. And I've been kicked out of my own home and separated from my fiance. Okay, let me ask you this. I don't want you to say your attorney's first name. What is your attorney's last name? Stoller. Okay. Now, let me ask, answer your first question. How can the police drop the case, but the county keep going. That's the reason why that the reason why that can happen legally is you're dealing with two different justice and judicial systems. The police, who may end up being a very good witness for you, um, you know that's the criminal justice system. Uh, you know. Uh, Everything has to be proven beyond a reasonable doubt before they can send you to jail. The juvenile system, and by the way, that that penal, I mean that criminal system, uh, utilizes the California Penal Code. So that's a whole different system and set of laws. The juvenile system is uh, a system that happens in the juvenile court. It's a juvenile matter, and it's governed by the Welfare and Institutions Code. So you can have different results in the different court cases, as crazy as that sounds. I mean, it's akin to, and I'm not you know, calling you O.J. Simpson thing, but it's akin to O.J. Simpson winning in the uh, criminal case, but walking across the street and getting sued and losing $40 million in the civil case. It's different laws and different um, evidentiary burdens. So you can't, what's happening to you can happen to you. But from what you're telling me, they have a very weak case. Yeah. Now, and I'm then the other, sure. go ahead. The, the, other, the other problem I have is while uh, the child's been in foster care, they moved him out. It's a hundred miles round trip to go and see him. That's one problem. Pardon me? 
Where is the child placed? Lancaster. Okay. Is one of the children with your wife or your fiancé? Yes, the newborn's with, with my fiancé. Okay, so if the newborn's with your fiancé, the other child should also be placed with your fiancé. That's where I'm extremely confused. Um, I, I was able, I, because I'm, a, I'm breastfeeding, I was able to keep her. Um, the other child was, was placed out of home. Um, yeah. To give you I a little bit I, more. Go ahead, sir. I'm sorry. Okay. So here's the test. The test is we take your children if you're a risk to their health and safety. Now, you can't, in my mind, be a risk to one child and not the other. You're either a risk to children or you're not. So that Correct. seems, although I, although I have seen this happen, I don't think it's supported by the law. So your attorney should be seeking some type of appellate review via a writ of prohibition or mandate to the Court of Appeals to deal with this issue. And that's just my opinion. I haven't reviewed the case, you know, but that's from what you're telling me. I don't see that happening. And I think you're going to end up having a trial on January 30th, I think you said, 2019. You guys better be prepared with your witnesses and your documentary evidence to go forward with that trial. Now, I know, sir, you said that you you, you hired a private attorney, uh, if it's the attorneys that I think that are in the West L.A. area, um, they're primarily a family law attorney, uh, law firm, you know, divorce, child custody, and stuff. I do know that they do juvenile dependency law, and I, you know, have seen some of their attorneys in courts. I don't know anything about the, their expertise, one of the things that you can do is you can Google the requirements set forth by L.A. County and more specifically the California Rules of Court. And they talk about the minimum experience and training that you must have to do these types of cases. And you can read for yourself and then ask your attorney, does he or she have that type of experience? This past week, right. I appeared in San I appeared in front of a judge in um, Santa Clara County, and the judge didn't know me. You know, I'm from L.A., and she went through the process of inquiring what she should do about whether I'm qualified to represent a person in the juvenile dependency court. Um, Afterwards, uh, maybe about halfway through, me reciting my qualifications, she stopped me and said, you know, oh, it's apparent that you have uh, the experience. And then one of the attorneys on the case, as a matter of fact, the minor's attorney I used to work with more than 10 years ago down in L.A. County, and she, I guess, transferred up to Santa Clara County. But she also told the judge, you know, you know, hey, I know this guy. He's very experienced. So I don't know if that inquiry was made at your hearing. But I think judges are supposed to do it. Not all of them do do it. And it can become an issue later on in the case. Um, I don't believe so that he, he, from the way he seems, he doesn't seem like he's been 
in the, in the in the juvenile court very much. He he seems very young. Um, uh, I, I originally when he first when we had our first uh, um, hearing, um, it, you know, to determine if there was a case, he didn't really do much. I mean, the only thing um, they said that they had. Um, a uh, a phone call into DCFS um, saying that uh, um, we were abusing uh, the kids, and uh, but it was anonymous, and that's the only thing that he got taken away because we're like, well, we, we don't we have the right to face the accuser, and that that was like the only thing that he got, you know taken off the plate because they couldn't identify the person. It was just basically DCFS was saying they had this call and, and text messages. And I'm like, what text messages could they have? Cause we never sent me text messages. So it just didn't make any sense. They also so you, what you should do is you should Google and find out the requirements, the minimum requirements for an attorney to practice in the juvenile dependency court. And generally, you know, generally it's um, requirements for requirements for a a uh, court appointed attorney, but you should use them as private attorneys. And when I told the judge that up in Santa Clara, she said, "Well, in our county, uh, basically, she said that we she uses it both for private attorneys and court appointed attorneys." Um, you know, we're running out of time this morning. Uh, please call me at my office, make an appointment to speak to me this weekend or on Monday. I, I'm working on Monday at uh, 888-888-6582, and we can go further into your case because um, it sounds like a very weak case. It sounds like you have a great civil rights lawsuit, and I'd love to talk to you about those things uh, when we have more time, but I literally have about seven, not even 70 seconds, six, six seconds left in the show today. So promise no problem, me that you'll Tyler. give me a call. Right. Absolutely. And keep Absolutely. All right. And keep listening to the radio much. show. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. We're running out of time this morning, unfortunately. Still have a lot of calls in the queue. I want to apologize uh, for not being able to get to those calls. You know, I've had a lot of requests that I extend the length of the show and, um, for 2019, that's something that I'm uh, considering, maybe going to 90 minutes. My producer is looking at me like she's never heard this before. Yeah, so maybe we should go to 90 minutes. I could do more teaching and take more calls. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening today on the radio, and we'll see you next week on the radio.